<laughs> you guys. I just want to say that we all have had a very long day. <laughs> We're very, very tired. And if this episode makes absolutely no sense um too bad because we're not re-recording it we've already recorded this we've made episode a pact, once <laughs> and and this is what it is it might be a bunch of gibberish but you know what it also might be the best thing we've ever done it's going to be one of one of those things yeah i have a strong uh inclination towards the gibberish Oh, what a pee probably. Okay, go. <laughs> I can't squat and laugh at the same time. I've had two babies, okay? Welcome to Montessori Moms in the Wild. We are three trained Montessori guides and new moms. We are not here to be your guide, per se, but simply to share, commiserate, and maybe even inspire each other on this wild journey. Each episode, we will discuss a different element of the Montessori philosophy, explaining why it is one we find so important and interesting, and then take turns being blatantly honest about how we succeed and struggle with these practices in real life. There is no Montessori album for parenthood, and we are certainly in no shape to write one. Our hopes are that together we can remind ourselves of what is important to us as Montessorians and as mothers in a way that might help other parents, or at least entertain them. So sit back and relax as we take Montessori out of the textbooks and into the wild. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Laura. I'm a mother of one, and my Montessori training is in lower and upper elementary, so that's ages 6 through 12. I am joined here with Megan, mother of two, who has a Montessori training in lower elementary, ages six through nine, and Rachel, mother of one with one on the way, and her training is an infant toddler. Okay, so let's start with just catching up a little bit. What's everyone up to this week? Where are you guys, where are you guys coming from? What are you bringing to today's conversation? What's going on? Let's start with Rachel, since Megan literally disappeared from view. <laughs> I, it's, it's been a pretty good week. We had Monday off, so that was a nice, like, three-day weekend, refresh, um, hit the ground running with school again, but now we're looking at snow maybe for Friday, so that's exciting, yeah. and, like, legit snow, like, not just, like, the fray, freezing rain ice crap we had last week. Like, yeah, that was seems, gross. It seems dumb. like pretty legit for Friday. So I'm really keeping my hopes up that we get to see something falling. But no, we're good. It's been a it's been a pretty good a fast week. I can't believe like I feel like Monday was ages ago, but also how is it already like almost Thursday? I don't know. But yeah, I'm with you on that one. Uh, also, I heard maybe like five inches. Like you're right. It might yeah, be that's like legit. Ah. Megan, what's been up? What's up? What's going on? So I started a new job this week, which is exciting, but also I am starting to work from home with my two kids being at home. And I just, big shout out to all the parents who have been working from home during this pandemic, because how, like how, I don't understand. It's a whole, it's a whole new level of hell. I've been doing it for five minutes and I'm just, I'm, I'm. I'm not sure how I'm going to do it, but mostly my revelation today was that I need to ask for help and I need to realize that I can't do it all and that I shouldn't have to do it all and I don't need to do it all and that there are plenty of resources and people and friends that can support me. So I'm currently trying to seek out resources to make sure that this isn't because you know, I don't have to. Li- I don't have to work from home because of COVID. It's just the way that the job works. So it's not like we have to be quarantined into our house. So I'm kind of looking at maybe getting a babysitter or having family help out something. But so exciting on the one hand, but on the other hand, some challenges. I'll just right piggyback right off of that and say that my sharing about like where I'm at in life right now is that I am hanging by a thread. I don't even know, like there's no real specific thing 
to report about the week. I feel like it's just when you get just X amount of just like crazy weeks under your belt to the point where like at some point you just have to accept like this is your life now. Yeah. <laughs> it's just you're just so tired all the time. Um, yeah. And-, and we're still in a pandemic, like a very yeah. big spike right now. I was just thinking, well, yeah, my week's been good, but I also canceled my child's two-year-old birthday for this weekend because of the flipping spike. So that sucks. I know. I know. <laughs> That's just, there's just so much going on there. I, yeah, that honestly maybe is a part of the exhaustion right now. Um, yeah. As classroom teachers dealing with this current spike is like, it's just like, it's, it's, heavy. Constant. it's just constant well, who could be, you know, who, who was that person here and who do we have to notify and should we do this and should we do that? And it's just a lot of, I mean, every, everybody working in education right now, anybody with like an in-person job of any sort, I'm sure is dealing with this right now. So it's not any kind of thing that's unique to our situation. So hopefully a lot of people listening can empathize with just showing up to this call, whether you are listening or recording it (laughs) quite tired but you know what it's i like thought many times about trying to reschedule or trying to push it off except that i just don't know that i'll be any less tired any other day and like this is an important thing that i enjoy doing so honestly even if nobody listens to this episode and it's complete gibberish <laughs> at least at least we're going to get something out of it right so like exactly okay i think with that all being said, with us laying the groundwork and all of the disqualifiers and disclaimers about what you're about to hear, <laughs> we're going to take a little break and we'll come back after this word from our sponsor. Montessori Services provides products for Montessori teachers and schools. Their focus is the primary classroom and practical life is their specialty, though the products they offer are in all curriculum areas. Four Small Hands offers products that support the Montessori education at home. Child-sized cooking, cleaning, woodworking, and yard and garden are unique offerings they provide. They also have a wide range of educational games and toys. If you are looking for practical life materials for your home, go to the link in our Instagram bio to visit Montessori Services and Four Small Hands to shop today. Today we are talking about practical life. Maria Montessori defined practical life as purposeful activities that develop motor control and coordination and develop independence, concentration, and a sense of responsibility. The exercises in practical life cover two main areas of development, care of self and care of the environment. Why did Maria Montessori believe that practical life work was a necessity in childhood? Maria Montessori was an observer, and through her observations of children, she came to believe that children have this innate sense of curiosity within them, and they want to participate in the activities that they see happening around them every day. So she coined the term practical life and believed strongly in children being part of the daily activities such as cleaning dishes, washing laundry, and cleaning up normal activities that children were participating in. Why have them sit aside when they are craving to be independent and want to be functioning members in the household and environment? So what are our thoughts? How are we doing this at home? Or how could we be doing this at home? And let's be realistic here. I know that I have my dream of what my perfect practical life setup is at home, but that's not always happening. So Let's hear from you, ladies. Um, Rachel, let's start with you. Well, right now, to be realistic, <laughs> there is not much practical life happening at home other than washing, <laughs> Finley throwing in his dirty underpants that he has wet in and putting them in the washer and dryer. Um, yeah, really, it's not much happening right now. Um, I'm tired <laughs> at the end of the day, and I just want to do it for him a lot of times, guys, so... This is a good reminder for me because um, I have it set up, but not always do I even let him do it. I have his kitchen set up in our like kitchen area and it has his bowls and his towels and his placemats and all the things he would need kind of for kitchen, you know, and it's pretty functional, I would say on a weekend basis in the week, it really doesn't get touched much because 
it's like we come home and it's so fast of like dinner, bath, bed. Ha, ah, now I can breathe. But as far as like, and I have shoes. I have shoes like in a basket, his socks that he is, he like puts on. He has his coat hanging at a low hook. But other than that, I don't have much. I don't have much else set up at this moment. Um, just where we're at in life, I guess. Girl, you have more set up than I do. <laughs> Every time I come in your house, I'm like, oh. And then Megan, you shared. Yeah, Megan's was beautiful. It's so lovely. And I'm like, oh my God, I am the worst mother on the face <laughs> of the planet. Um, it is ridiculous. But I guess my 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 sort of like compromise or like my own pat on my back, or I don't know, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for. Um, my what I try to do is even though I don't have everything right now always set up where she can go get it herself, okay, throw back environment super important if you didn't know check it out episodes two through three <laughs> um you can set things out so that they can participate themselves in these practical life activities literally just like the practical everyday activities of maintaining your life these are like super interesting to them you can set it up so that they can take on these things themselves i do not have that all set up very well right now but i will try to at least catch myself and find an opportunity to like involve her in the thing that I'm doing nine times out of 10. Um, this week also so tired, almost have intentionally avoided doing those activities around her because I know she'll want to participate. And like you just said, Rachel, like I'm tired and I want to move it along and I just kind of want to get it done right yeah. now. Um, but if I do pull out, you know, a, a I just did her laundry and it's time to fold it. I'll have her come help me quote unquote. Um, which is never like a flawless procedure, um, but she's involved in it and she's interested in it and she wants to feel like she's helping. Um, if we're cooking, you know, she doesn't have her whole kitchen set up, but she has her little, you know, some people call it a kitchen helper, um, a sous chef tower, basically a good size stool that they can push around and kind of crawl up into and like be at counter level to help you with things. Um, I just remembered that she has a really cool wavy chopper, which I know they use in the classrooms to like practice, you know, cutting their own carrots and stuff for snack. Finally pulled that sucker out, hoping to use that in the next however many days. Um, but yeah, so I guess my, I'm like halfway there with like, I understand the importance of it and I do consistently involve her in the activities. She does have some things that her like she's got her little set of, um, there's that really cool, I think it's a Melissa and Doug set. We all have it at this point. The, like, it has a little hanging mop yeah. broom, um, a little like dustpan and like kind of hand broom deal and a duster. And she will all the time, whether I'm sweeping or she just notices something herself, go grab her broom and like clean stuff up for herself. In fact, the other day she was eating a snack at the coffee table and got crumbs all over the coffee table and ran to get the broom to like stab it at the coffee table. I'm like, this is not quite the tool for this job, but I, <laughs> I see where your head is at. And I appreciate that you know that you have to clean up after yourself. Yeah. So, um, you know, I just, I'm not there. I'm not perfect. I'm not there. I'm not even actually really close to forward, but um, she's at least participating in the activities as much as I can muster the energy for right now so that's something right yeah right? no make me feel better I, no I totally that's some that's major you're allowing her to be part of the practical life activities that are happening in your household like that's a that's a big deal period so well like right now for like self-care right so I don't have the cool little I don't have stuff really at her level she has gotten pretty good at dressing, well, undressing herself. She's very good at undressing herself. She's getting better at dressing herself. And I do, you know, find the time to slow down and let her do that, even if it is extending the bedtime routine by like a solid 17 minutes because she is struggling with these snaps. But, you know, I got the picture from her toddler classroom. She's really into the dressing board with snaps. So like this is a big work for her and it is a practical life skill to have. So I'm trying to let her just do it. But do I sometimes let her get to like her belly button and then be like, okay, hey, mommy will finish from here. <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. Well, this weekend I was at a virtual Montessori conference and I took a practical life um, session with Beth Norman and Joan Schul. And I just wanted to share kind of my takeaways from this because I think that the practical life element of Montessori can be overcomplicated. 
in philosophy, especially if you are a Montessorian at heart, that um, we have really high expectations for ourselves. And something that they said was by defining practical, we define it as basic, useful, and purposeful. It's just life in action. So it's all daily tasks, and that's not exclusive to the Montessori community. Everyone has to do things every day to live. And so I think that oftentimes we think that things need to look a certain way or that we need to have everything set up perfectly, but practical life can be as simple as waving goodbye. It can be washing your hands. It can be sitting in a chair. So I think that when we boil it down to what are what is basic, what is purposeful, and what is, what was the last thing I said? Useful. I think that everyone can understand and empathize with being exhausted moms and also knowing that you can bring this into your home without having the perfect setup, without really having anything set up, purely giving your child the opportunity to use the tools around them to be purposeful and take care of their own basic needs. So you're saying I'm nailing it, is what you're saying. You're nailing it, is what I'm saying. Because <laughs> I have nothing set up, but I at least encourage her to do these things, right? We're doing this every day, and it's just being more aware and offering as many opportunities as we can. And that doesn't mean that everything is going to be the perfect Montessori setup. Practical life in in its most basic definition is just that they're purposeful in the way that they interact with us, their home, and and everything around them. Yeah, so I guess it just kind of comes back to that um, don't do everything for them is kind of the underlying message of probably every episode so far and every episode to come, especially because we, and this is maybe just reflective of where we're at in motherhood right now, we all have toddlers, but we keep talking about these really, these younger ages, because really practical life applies to, you know, you might be listening to this with a seven-year-old and it's like, well, what does that look like? You know? So like, and I think about when I think about the classrooms that I've been in, right? So toddler has a very specific and dedicated practical life area. Children's house is the one that really sticks out to me. I feel like it's every children's house classroom that I've been lucky enough to be in has just had like a beautiful um, practical life area with many amazing activities that you wouldn't even think to put out for them. I know toddlers have this too, but like window washing, for example, this is a thing that a child will do for hours on end happily they have a little spray bottle with water it doesn't even have to be like soapy water and they have a little like squeegee my daughter loves to wash windows yeah they just wash the window which is like a practical life skill not something that we as adults are like oh heck yeah let me wash this window right now i can't wait to wash all these windows in my house but a toddler or a children's house age child you know three through six that is so much fun um, so just kind of having opportunities for little stuff. Like I remember being so blown away watching the three and four year olds wash a baby doll, like give a baby a bath and like care for a baby, right? Obviously, you're not giving them a live human baby in the classroom, but they have a doll and um, and they're not doing it like beautifully and perfectly and super gently every time, but they get better as they go. And they're learning this concept of like, you care for your body. They're learning the idea of taking care of somebody else and maybe they have a, a younger sibling that now they're going to be able to help out with or at least be interested in helping out with at home. And yeah, just um, there's so many cool ways that you can give them opportunities to practice these practical life concepts. I, I actually love this idea. Let's keep going with this. What are your favorite practical life activities Maybe we can inspire, well, obviously we're in need of some inspiration ourselves, Um, but also to our listeners, if this is new to you um, and we kind of talk about it in philosophy, it might be difficult to imagine how to bring this into your home. Um, What are your favorite practical life activities, either in the classroom or at home? I think for me, um, in the classroom... It's um, probably the pouring of um, 
objects because when I give a lesson, I'm so, like, careful and precise with showing them my hand placement on, like, the cup that I'm using to pour and then watching them, like, take their little tiny hands and be ever so careful to pour the beans or whatever, sometimes water, if they're um, successfully past, like, the dry pouring is what we would call it. Um, it's just so precise, and they're so gentle and careful. And then if it does spill, which a lot of times in the beginning, uh-oh, and then they go get a towel, or they pick up one bean, <laughs> like 20 beans fell on the floor and like one individual bean each time. And that's like beautiful to watch because they're so proud of themselves for cleaning up um, the mess, but also doing the work. Um, at home, I think probably just like seeing him like do the coat flip, um, the coat flip and like putting on his shoes. Like I love just that he can do that. I don't have to do that. And it's like, we're going outside and he knows exactly where, to go get his stuff and it's just it's so fun the coat flip and they're like I did it and their jackets on their body yes we'll have to yeah. post a video of the coat flip definitely yeah that sure is a, a quick magic trick that will have the like smallest child independently putting on their own coat eventually right it's not like perfect right away but it's just the easiest little trick so you take the coat and again we'll share this visually but just in case you're not going to check that post out I think that you guys all need to know this you put the coat down on the ground okay and you have it so that the head of the coat so let's say it's a winter coat and there would be like a hood on it okay so the hood or the tag. The tag. Okay. You can say hood or tag. Sure. Yeah. So the hood or the tag would be like basically at the feet of the child or like facing the child. And then the bottom of the jacket is going away from them. So what happens is they can kind of just bend down and get their little arms started into the sleeves of the jacket. So it's open, right? You leave the jacket open on the ground, head towards them. You put They put their little arms in. And as they start to stand up, they can kind of lift their arms up and they can kind of flip it over their head and it then will sit perfectly on their little bodies. Now, they can't necessarily then zip it up or button it up or whatever by themselves, depending on where their you know fine motor skills are at and all that stuff. But they can at least get the jacket on their bodies very independently, starting with like very low amount of fine motor skill ability if that's making sense. So we have to share that because it always impresses people who aren't Montessorians to see like my tiny, not even two-year-old child go put on her own winter jacket by herself because she's decided it's time for a walk. And then she'll go get her big old rain boots and put them on by herself, sit down in her little tiny chair. And she's like, it is, so she is watch. ready to go. And favorite. she did not need me at all in that process. And it's so cool, even though she's so tiny. That was a good one. I... I I would have picked that one maybe, but I think my favorite practical life activity, both in the classroom, and I haven't done it at home, but I need to, is um, flower arranging. Yeah, that's a great one. Because I feel like it's a practical life activity that extends from toddler all the way to I enjoy <laughs> as an adult <laughs> putting out flowers. Um and I know specifically in the lower elementary classroom that the pride that they take in going around and, you know, they fill their vases with water. So, you know, you're working on that pouring and then cutting the stems and putting them neatly into the vase and finding a special place to put it in the classroom or having several places to put it in the classroom. And it is a nice way to enjoy the environment and make it look beautiful. And so, yeah, I think that that one's probably my favorite. I I really need to do that at home because I feel like my toddler would really, really enjoy that. Um, so, yeah, that's my just inspiration to myself to maybe bring that into the home because – I think she would really enjoy that. I think another important point to make, Megan shared earlier, practical life um, is kind of split into two areas, care of self and care of environment. So we're focusing on like, even when we're talking about like the pouring of things and um, flower arranging, bead pouring, water pouring, those are all like fine motor skills um, that they're building 
to then care for themselves. Like when they can't zip their jacket until they have practiced and have like the wrist strength to then use both hands to connect the jacket and zip it up. So it's like they're all building blocks on one another and um, care of self and care of environment go hand in hand, but they're also two separate things because they're learning to wipe their nose or their mouth or um, wipe up a spill in the classroom. I think that it's an important topic to talk about because it can have mixed feelings from parents when they learn about it for the first time. I remember in my training, my uh, teacher, she was talking about how when she was in the classroom, she had a parent come in just livid that her, that, that his son had been washing tables for weeks. And he's like, you're just, you know, you don't have a janitorial staff? Like, what's going on? Why are you making my child <laughs> clean? And um, And so something that she talked to him about was like, do you value responsibility? He was like, yeah, of course. She was like, do you value sequencing? So following a step from beginning to end and seeing it all the way through, of course, you know, do you value care of the care of your child's belongings? And he was like, of course I do. So I think that those bigger things, we often overlook them. I know even today with my child, I was trying to get her outside. And so I started kind of rushing and putting her things on because sometimes I think as adults, we forget the process and we see the end goal. And the goal isn't that we get out as fast as possible. The goal isn't that the table gets cleaned the goal is to go through these processes and allow our children to use the tools that they'll need later in life and that they'll need now. Honestly, our toddlers, like you said, even putting on their own jackets, they're benefiting from that right now. So I I think that it's something that can be misunderstood, but is really important in a lot of different ways, concentration, focus. Um responsibility, all of those things Sequencing. that we talked about. So, yeah. And we talked about fine that's motor a skills, huge one. gross motor skills. There's so many things that are being uh, worked with this kind of work. And um, it's, I, so I think then I would, I would love to just pose then for you guys, if you, if I were, let's say I were a listener with no Montessori background. So like, why is this important? If I'm not a Montessorian and I don't necessarily care about having like a beautiful environment and blah, 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 why is this important for my child overall? Like what is the long-term benefit of me just like keeping it together for an extra minute and letting her do X, Y, and Z thing like terribly and sloppily and like take triple the time that it would take for me to do it? Why should I do that? Well... <laughs> as a teacher or as a parent? Why would you no. tell a parent that it's worth it? Um, I want to put both hats on. Um, as a teacher, I'm going to tell you, like, these are the building blocks of kind of what I shared and explaining developmentally, um, development of fine motor skills, gross motor skills, and how they're going to build on one another. Um, so then once they can put on their, like, I mean, we're, we're all adults, like, do you have to call your mom to put on your jacket when you're 30 years old? Like, no. <laughs> so we all have to know how to put on our jacket so that we can go outside so that we're not cold. So um, it's all, once again, like practical things that we kind of have to learn how to do to function in the world. Um, it's not really, I don't want to say it's not a choice, but they're going to learn over time anyways. Like you kind of right. have to so learn over so time. Right, so that's so playing devil's advocate then. Why let my not even two-year-old struggle through this when I just need to be out the door right now and really like I'm running late versus like giving that lesson, quote unquote, or just realize, you know, just trusting that they're going to figure it out by the time that they're like six or seven or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Like why bother worrying about it now? You they're practical no, life skills at some totally. point you're going to figure it out. Like, I don't think that my mom taught me the jacket trick, but I do know how to put my jacket on without my mom now. So why bother doing it? Why bother doing it? What I would say is that there is no, there's no differentiating between a task 
that is done by a two-year-old and a task that is done by a 10-year-old, a task that is done by a 30-year-old. We all have things that we have to accomplish, whether it be that big presentation at work or that math problem in third grade, whatever it is, we are valuing starting something, finishing it, and putting care and focus into it the entire way through. And I think as a parent and as a teacher that that is extremely valuable in just life, being able to successfully and thoughtfully and purposefully complete the tasks that you're attempting in your everyday life. And those change over time, but that care that you put into it doesn't. So while to us, it's really easy to pour something, that child, it's it, that's their work. And that work will change over time. And what we're hoping for is an adult who comes to work on time and cares about what they do and puts their attention and focus into it and is kind and takes care of the things around them and their environment in a bigger sense. And um, so I think that's what we're doing. We're starting small and it's building on each other. And um, anyway, that's why it's important to me. And I feel like if you boil it down, that's why it's important to a lot of parents. Mic drop. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that answers the question. Well, to be fair, I def- we did not plan this. This me like just turning against you guys and being like, smell me <laughs> on it. Tell me why I must do this in my home. Um, I apologize, guys. This was totally ad-libbed. We... We did not see this coming. Let me jump back onto our side again and say, I do think that you hit on why it's important because like whether you're a third grader dealing with, you know, your whatever is going on in school for you that day, the, the math problem, the social situation, the wardrobe malfunction, or you're a 30 year old who needs to be at a board meeting with a big presentation and blah, 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 regardless of your reality. These are skills that everybody has to have. So I guess my kind of like, let's do it now is why wait to bolster those skills? Like why wait till a kid is six or seven to be like, I think you can put on your own winter jacket. You know, like they're, if they're capable of doing it sooner, then give them the tools to do that. Let them feel that success. Let them build that confidence. Let them then be able to free up, you know, those brain cycles for other tasks that they can start conquering. And as toddlers, like we know developmentally and we're sharing with our listeners that um, these children are at a point um, developmentally where they want, want, want to do it themselves. They want to be independent. They want to have that um, independence of putting their jacket on or doing it themselves. Um, And it does slow down your life. Of course it does. Um, But giving them the opportunity to want is probably going to help maybe them not have a tantrum because you're giving them that opportunity to be independent in the in the moment that they're really craving that rather than ignoring it picking them up walking out the door and then you have a screaming toddler who want who's like no me do it or I do it and you know then you could have maybe um not had a whole tantrum tantrums are still going to happen about a lot of things but that's just an example of maybe how um, developmentally. Yeah, it's interesting actually is you made such a good point about this being these ages, these toddler ages being that sensitive period for like really wanting to develop those skills. So I think honestly that might be a good argument for a parent who's like, why do it now? Like why bother? Is that it will be less of a fight for you than it will be later when the kid is not in that sensitive period for let me figure it out, let me do it myself. At that point, they're honestly conditioned slash happy to just let you keep doing it. And now it is this power struggle of like, oh, come on, I know you can do this thing, like do it. And they're like, oh, I don't want to. Versus when they're like one and a half and yelling, I do, I do. Like Rachel's saying, like, that's the time you really capitalize on them wanting to learn how to wash all the windows in the house because they don't that sensitive period is kind of done by the time they're nine and 10 and you're all of a sudden expecting them to participate in these things. And they're like, what? Out of where? What, what are you talking about? No, thank you. Now I, I was going to say, now I'm going to put you on the spot. If you could explain what a sensitive period is. Yes. Good. To point. our listeners. Great, great question, Megan. Great question. And do so it now was- and don't mess up. <laughs> 
oh god it's hot in here it's hot in here um so maria montessori and all of her observations and studies um definitely was able to discern that there are per these planes of development which we kind of covered in the past um there are these sensitive periods meaning there are these kind of windows of time whether they be months weeks years long even where a child is just inherently more interested and sort of sensitive to certain concepts so like one of them in the toddler stage is that sense of order so they're very this is a huge part of the sensitive period where like everything has its place everything is supposed to work a certain way in a toddler's brain and so back to Rachel, the top, the tantrums and the meltdowns, those can easily be caused by just like you moved a thing off of a shelf that you didn't even think they knew was on that shelf. But to them, it is really important that it be always on that shelf and they come down in the morning for breakfast and you've moved it and now they're melting down and you have no idea why. And that's all part of this like sense of order, like these things go in these places and that eventually sort of peters out and it is much less pressing for them that everything be in a certain place as is demonstrated by anybody with a child who is like elementary aged and that bedroom is just like chaos right like you can walk in and you're like where even is your floor I'm sensitive to order my behind like I am not seeing that that's because that sensitive period has kind of passed so there are like I said there are these windows where things are much more prevalent things are much more important to them and they are much more sensitive to these certain concepts than they are at other times in their lives. And that's not to say they can't be aware of those things, they can't learn those things. It's not to say those things don't exist for them. It's just that they're not as um, sort of pressing and all consuming, or it's just not a, a thing that will be as easy to incorporate and figure out how to do. Like we've talked about the sensitive period for language. So in that first three years of life, we talk about all those neurons firing, blah, blah, blah. That really is a time where they are absorbing, Maria Montessori, absorbent mind. Literally, the, the mind is like a sponge. It will soak in without even trying everything around it, especially language. And in that first three years, a child can learn multiple languages and intonations and expressions and all of it, every little nuance of a language, no problem at all. Can you learn three languages when you're 40? Sure. Will it be no problem at all? Just absorbed like a sponge without even trying? Absolutely not. So that is sort of, did I, did I, did I explain it right, guys? Is that a sense of the period? Did I miss anything? Beautifully said. Well just done. Lovely. <laughs> just yeah. absolutely. Just charming. So do okay. we have any, any final thoughts on practical life? I think no. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I think to finish. I think to finish as you're listening um just the one thing put in your mind is to just and I feel like we keep going back to this is to just give your child the opportunity to participate in life activities. Just take the time to do it. Stop, slow down take the time to do it. I need to remind myself this too. So yeah, me too. All, all even the littlest things like we're getting ready to get in the bathtub. Can you take yes. your pants off? Can you take your, can you get your socks off? You know, like just literally all the things, all the things that you're trying to do for them. See if they can do it. All right. So let's lighten things up to finish out the show with probably our favorite segment at this point, confessions from the wild. All right. Who wants to start? What do we have? What do we have this I'll week? start. Yeah, I can start. Um, so this is more, I'm really putting myself out there because people are going <laughs> to be like, this girl has problems, which I've already admitted to. Um, and this isn't anything like embarrassing that I did. It's just how dumb, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> Because, you know, here we are with this educational podcast and I'm about to just be like, I'm the dumbest human alive. Okay. <laughs> so um, I was recently talking to my dad and we were talking about when we were going to go fly here back home with the kids. And so I bought my toddler this 
ridiculous little plastic toy thing to bring out on the last leg of the trip when she was starting to lose it and be like, look, here it is. And when I was telling him about it, I said, it's my last stitch effort. I've been alive for 31 years and I thought, I've always thought <laughs> that it's last stitch effort. Uh, and in my mind, it's like, you know, the last stitch sure. before like yeah. something falls out this of like the yeah. final scene before this just right? tears before, right like, open. Yeah, the, the, you know, the, the bag breaks or the pants rip, whatever. Sure. And he looked at me and he's like, did you say last stitch effort? And I was like, yeah. He was like, isn't it last ditch effort? And my whole world exploded. <laughs> it's like how many, and I just, you're just secondhand embarrassment of how many play, times yeah. have I said, have this I said this to in front of people <laughs> my whole life saying it. I mean, and if you say it fast, last ditch effort, last ditch effort. Oh, when you said it first, my brain just filled in last ditch effort. I was like, yeah, I didn't hear it. I did I didn't second guess yeah. you. So I looked it up. It is a military term. It is not a tailoring term (laughs) 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 and um (laughs) and I am I'm I'm embarrassed to say that I've been saying it this way for to countless people my whole life They probably left and were like, did she say last stitch effort? I mean, I don't think I'm like running around saying that all the time, but how many more things am I saying wrong? You know, now whenever there's a little idiom, I'm like, did I get, is that, is that right? Or am I going around just spewing nonsense? So if on this podcast, I say something ridiculous, you guys call me out and be like, did you just say last stitch effort? Yeah. (laughs) That's a good one. That immediately makes me spiral into like, which things have I not been entirely sure about? But I guess that's the catch on this one is you were entirely sure. That oh, it was I was sure. But also after. that's my, that's my favorite um, game to play, like party game or um, just out with friends. If you don't know them super well, I love to ask what's something that you don't know that at this point it's too late to admit to not knowing (laughs) without like I'll do I'll say it again okay don't make fun of me but for up until recently I thought that bison were extinct um (laughs) (laughs) okay what hold on Oh Wait, gosh. why does this time with okay, I'll say it again. Have we talked it? Rachel, did she tell us about that? I've never heard of this. this. I love it. You're saying it so nonchalant. Like, okay. Let's just unpack one more time about the bison and they don't exist. And everybody knows that. <laughs> I meant I meant I will embarrass myself again okay. and say another confession okay. that I don't need to say in just like <laughs> why don't we should just clear the rest of this episode for more confessions from Megan like I have nothing to share anyway so you could just do two you could easily do two so I didn't when I went and did my Montessori training I did it in um Montana and <laughs> so when I went to Montana, one of you the girls like, in my training, <laughs> she took me to Yellowstone. <laughs> Look at all these bison. She took me to Yellowstone. Where'd you guys get these? <laughs> and I was like, holy, oh my God. Like, they're back. <laughs> they're, they're back. It's like dinosaurs back. coming back. <laughs> A woolly mammoth just lumbers oh. out. Nobody's gonna listen to our podcast anymore. <laughs> Be like this girl. I'm not gonna take her advice. My child doesn't even they, know that bison exists. They said they were teachers, but they do not sound smart. <laughs> they sound very sleepy and unsure of many things that are just common knowledge. I mean, how many oh times do you see a bison? <laughs> Like out in life. In Vermont, yeah. 
<laughs> zero. Zero. Now you got me well, one. You know, like in history books, they would talk about how, you know, the all the bison were being killed off. And I just thought they were like all gone. But if you go to Yellowstone, they're there. Okay. Okay. You know what? I will join you in this confession that I've actually been a little bit unsure of the difference between a bison and a buffalo. Are buffalo on the brink of extinction, but bison are not? Because I also thought bison were these big, majestical creatures that the Native <laughs> Americans hunted in these mass, mass herds, like like millions of them. And then the settlers came and started killing all the bison and the buffalo, or just bison or just buffalo. I don't know. And then and there was a problem. There were not many left. They were on like the brink of serious danger. And now I order bison meat regularly. So like there must be a lot of them, right? <laughs> okay, so I don't know how we got here. And we're gonna go like 20 minutes straight talking about buffalo. Um but I just looked it up. So there is a difference. And bison have large humps at their shoulders and bigger heads <laughs> than buffalo. And they also have beards as well as thick coats, which they can shed in the spring and early summer. Megan, talk to me about the numbers. Is one of them endangered? Are none of them endangered? Okay, so what do we, what do we say when we go to Yellowstone? Because I've been to Yellowstone and I saw a lot of either bison or buffalo. <laughs> now, I don't now know nobody knows. <laughs> nobody knows the truth, Megan. You, you oh. ruined all of us. You just opened a can of worms. <laughs> Rachel, Wait, what did I see? I'm... I saw oh, something. Oh, now I'm confused because the Greater Yellowstone Coalition is restoring the American bison. So did I see bison? Should I not be eating them? <laughs> Yeah, me too. I buy bison meat all the time. This this has really okay, gone guys. off the rails. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really quick, I do have a funny confession. Is well, it, it may not buffaloes? be that funny. <laughs> but it was pretty embarrassing to me that um my toddler children um definitely corrected me. Like, you know, in circle time, every single day. I think days of the week, months of the year, and then we're like, what year are we in? Da, 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 da. Well, and I break it up, 2020, whatever. And I realize that I've still just been saying 2021, <laughs> 2021. And finally today, a child in my class was like, Miss Rachel, you're saying it wrong. And I'm like, what? clapping I was like what is he talking about and then he said 2022 and I was like oh yeah you're totally right it's 2022 I mean I think most adults are in denial that it's 2022 so I think I don't think you're alone I've probably in been that. saying that literally <laughs> like, no. since we came back from holiday break so they just found out today it's the year of 2022 hey, happy new year happy new year oh goodness all right okay i think i think we can wrap it here i my confession is honestly just going to be that after laughing at you so heartily i turned out <laughs> i am no better than you megan no better at all <laughs> I mean, is there anything that you would like to confess that you thought oh that you knew, but you don't countless, in life? Countless things. We have been working on the biomes of Africa with these little group projects, and someone turned in a note about how gorillas are the largest monkeys. And I was like, that doesn't sound right to me. They're not. Are they monkeys? They're not monkeys. Monkeys are not the same as apes right apes and monkeys they're primate and i had to google it before i could correct this kid's work and that was just another <laughs> like really humbling moment it's just fun when you have to google answers to the work of first through third graders <laughs> because you're actually not sure i would google like 20 times a day because they ask some intriguing questions sometimes but then sometimes they answer some very simple questions that i should know yeah and i just don't from is a gorilla um, a monkey to what is string theory mrs sales so like i i just that's when you were like what do you have to admit that you should know that you don't know it's like everything everything all the time <laughs> 
learning all the time. I feel like that's something though that is that we do try to bring into the our Montessori classroom is to say, yeah, I don't have all the answers. Nobody knows yeah. everything. You know, we're always all learning. You can teach me something. I'm not here to teach exactly. you. I don't. I'm, I'm not. Too. The, Let's look it up together. You know, Let's figure out the answer together. How should we tackle this project? That's actually one of my favorite things about. Um, being a teacher and having that kind of grace and courtesy in a Montessori environment, Maria was very much like, it's not your job to have all the answers. Don't pretend you do. Don't tell them you do. That's a lie. And so I don't feel that pressure and I never do. And you know how like liberating and sort of like mind blowing it is to them to realize that I, as the teacher can be okay with like not knowing and having to go like, look it up and figure it out because they think they're the only ones that have to do that, you know? So like, if, if you're a teacher or you're just a parent, it's okay to say, I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. Let's find out. You don't have to know. Yeah. No, I, I got a, a puzzler once was, can anteaters eat mm. fire ants? Did you look it up? I actually had, I was like, you look it up, go find out the answer and and let us all know. You can give us a lesson on anteaters. I wish I could remember what the answer is. I would have to look it up again. Um, <laughs> That's another embarrassing thing is how many times I've Googled the same thing within a three-year cycle. Yeah, or how long I haven't known that <laughs> Buffalo exists but never once just looked it up in the giant Google machine that we are able to access every single day. I was like, mm, eh, I just don't know. <laughs> That's just a thing I don't know, I guess. I'm not going to make my last stitch effort. <laughs> Well, wrapping up, thank you for listening to Montessori Moms in the Wild. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review. Please rate and review because nobody else has. (laughs) (laughs) Just do it. Please. We really do want to hear from you. (laughs) Also, all like five of you out there, we love you and we appreciate you. We love you. you. Thank you so much for listening. Do you know how to rate and review? If you did make it to the end of this episode, if you could, what's a good emoji to leave on our Instagram page? I was just page? trying to think, like, what could be a cool, like, little, like, teaser to be, like, prove it, post is this. Is there a buffalo yes, emoji? Yes, yes, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty okay. sure there is. If you made yes. it to the end of this episode, please, on our most recent post, um, <laughs> put a picture or emoji of a buffalo so that we can see you and know that you are a true fan. <laughs> We do this for you. (laughs) Cut me off, guys. (laughs) And until next week, stay wild. Oh, my God. Yes, definitely. (laughs) I know, I know, because it has has a beard and a bigger head and a large (laughs) hump.